You take your time. Yeah, I'm just looking something up. Are you? Are you researching? Yeah, because people ask difficult questions, and I have to appear <laughs> as though I know the answer. Yeah. And so the answer to that is research. Yeah. The trouble is, when you do all that, you do end up making me look even more stupid than normal. And that's annoying. Yeah, and that's the only difference between us. is I steal other people's ideas and pass them <laughs> off on my own. It'd be you kind of be bothered to steal ideas. <laughs> no, you've got a point. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, let's get going. OK, come on then. High energy. Welcome to episode uh, 128 of the Mid-Faith Crisis Podcast. Yeah, high energy. We're here, you're there, whatever. <laughs> episode 128 of the Mid-Faith Crisis Podcast featuring me, Nick Page, and him, Joe Davis. Hello. Welcome, everybody. Hey, everyone. Is that better? Yes, thank you. Great to be mm. back. Mm. Great to be back. Fantastic to be back, mm. but it's going to be even more fantastic to actually be away <laughs> and not back. <laughs> well, not so much away as just being all quiet and silent, I think you'll find. <laughs> Wait, are you being quiet and silent for three weeks? Yes, you know me. Oh, Mr. Rachel must be thinking this is like <laughs> heaven. <laughs> well, I mean, all these things are relative, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> You're relatively quiet and silent. <laughs> I am. Yeah. So you're not going anywhere. Well, um, in actual fact, and I apologise if there is background noise, the um, the building work going on next door has caused us to reevaluate things a little bit. So thanks to that now, we are in fact planning a few days on the Isle of Wight next week. Oh, splendid. Very which is good. rather lovely. I have not yeah, been there for years. So oh. if any, you know, listeners got any top tips for places to watch birds on the Isle of Wight? Or great inns, as the case may be. <laughs> Actually, I, I think we probably won't be going out into the sort of public places like that. Because, uh, yeah. Because of people you're with. Yeah, yeah. well, um, we're going away as well. Oh, good. Where are you going? Well, we're going to Oswestry. Ah, don't ask me to spell it, but yes, good. No, do you know what? I, I mean, other people we know have gone to Greece or Sicily or <laughs> places like that. Or even the Isle of Wight. Somehow we've ended up in Oswestry. It sounds quite uh, exciting. What What's the top tip? Let me do some research on Oswestry and I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you something about it. <laughs> it's a very nice area. It's Welsh borders, actually. But. OK, great. And what's it famous for? What 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 drew you to uh, Oswestry? It was the only place we could find that was available for the time. Great. So it's famous for having available accommodation, I think. Isn't it famous That's for being cheap. near a motorway? <laughs> it's no, it's not that near a motorway. Okay, it's right. quite near Offers Dyke, so it's, yeah, it's quite a nice countryside. You're just inventing anyway. names now. I, 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 yes. I just believe. Yeah, it's near Upper Ramsbottom. You go and see Ethel Sad old person, aren't you? <laughs> so anyway, how have you been? Well, uh, I've been all right, but you, you know, I good frankly. Uh, it was lovely to see Sarah last Friday, who came down, another podcast listener. Thank you for coming down to see me. That was wonderful. Rev Sarah, lovely. Uh, and I'm counting down the time story. I just can't wait to reach up. You know that, you know you get to that. So, I mean, you must feel this more than me, because your job's more creative than mine even, and mine's semi-creative really, frankly. So, yeah. you know, you just get to that point where you just feel absolutely 
spent. You know what I mean? Jaded. Mm. So, yes, I'm looking forward to just powering down and plugging into nature for a few weeks and hopefully getting set up for the winter. That's the plan. Mm. Whether that will happen or not, who knows? But that's the intention. And, Mm. uh, you know, when I get back off holiday, I shall probably start the diet. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, well, okay. Well, I look forward to hearing about that. Um, <laughs> that was a lie. Actually, I'm not looking forward to hearing about that at all. Okay. Um, how are you? Yes. How are you? Well, I'm similar. I'm very. Uh, I, I find motivation is is, uh, is a difficult one. You know, I don't feel very motivated to do much. And uh, but then to be fair, I have felt like that for about fifteen years. So I'm not sure it's <laughs> yeah, I know. It I'm could, not sure it's a massive new it, development. It could pass any year now. When I am tired and when I am, uh, you know, it, kind of in need of recharge, then I get very anxious and I've had a bad yeah. weekend for anxiety okay. and a lot of. And then I get hyper vigilant about certain things, you know, so that mm. everything could go wrong and what's what's this happening and. You know, uh, so I'm not in a I'm not in a great space. That with is my great my head. awareness, though, that you you spot it and you see it. I mean, I think that's half the battle. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's helped by having a wife who points it out in a slightly <laughs> less therapeutic manner. <laughs> Be, no, it's true. No, I am aware of it. I think I am more understanding of it. Is that? And I'm I'm also more like forgiving of myself yeah, for it happening. Absolutely. I think that's the other thing. As I yeah. tend to get very hard on myself for for it. Whereas now I, I've tried to, um, you know, notice that it's going to happen at certain times and at certain, yeah. you know, when I'm doing certain things or whatever. So it'd be good to get a rest. It'd be good to get away and be, be good to um, just get a bit of time. I, so I'm looking forward to a week off. I, I think that's that's such an important thing. I mean, if we didn't talk about yeah. anything else in the podcast, you, you said something so important there. Because I think it's really important that you cut yourself the slack. Like we mm, always want to mm. present the best version of ourselves. But the point about being a creative person is that you put immense energy into whatever it is you're creating. But, of course, there's a flip side. You've got to come down the mountain as mm. well. And I think mm. because you probably get ascend higher than other people, sometimes you probably may dip a bit further as well. And I think that's all, all OK. Like, accept it, rejoice in it, almost celebrate it because it's just part of what makes you 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 can't just have the mountain top without the valley it's just ridiculous anyway. no anyway well anyway so that's the end of the podcast um, yeah thanks for listening <laughs> see, we'll see you in a, in a month <laughs> actually if we only did a seven minute one people would be delighted but they're, they're, not, gonna get away that no, they're not fortunately no. at times of lack of creativity we mm. can reliably depend upon our brilliant listeners to come up with great mm. stuff and uh, and so what we've got is uh, some really excellent feedback this week a couple of quick ones and then some meaty stuff about the bible but before we come to them uh, just a quick note as ever to say thank you to the people who give to us uh, we really appreciate mm-hmm. it. I mean, in case you didn't know Nick and I are both self-employed we get a little bit stressed and anxious when we go away because we don't get paid uh, so mm. thank you for that so much but also um, if you wanted to do us a little favour, uh, and, you know, why would you? But if you did, we would love it if you would share 
this podcast with people you think might appreciate it. If you haven't done that before, give it a go. I'm not saying you splatter it all over your homepage on Facebook or whatever, but for those, you know, target it a bit more if you like. But if you think there's someone who needs a bit of encouragement or just to realise how good their life is compared to others. Yeah. <laughs> why, why or, don't you? or you could... You could share it with people who won't appreciate it and who you don't like very much. <laughs> you could and, do. Uh, it's win-win either then, way. It's a fantastic way of winning, isn't it? Because you <laughs> you can pretend you're doing them some good when you know you're going to annoy them. It's the best kind of <laughs> yeah. blessing, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. Yeah, good. it would be great if you... We do rely on, on word of mouth for this. We don't obviously promote it anywhere particularly. And uh, such is the ways of Apple... That obviously recommendations, good reviews, oh, yes. ratings, all that kind of stuff really helps. So anything you can do to basically lie yeah. about this podcast. Yes, it, thank really. you. Yes, you know. a nice trip advisor. It's called marketing. I believe. <laughs> yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, good yeah. right okay fantastic so let, let's go on with some feedback now. well first of all let's go straight in with bob not their real name um their real name oh, can't okay. be revealed because it's like a name that would identify them and obviously they're in protective custody so linton ellis popadom uh <laughs> really well-known figure in worthing but anyway okay Go so uh, bob says hmm. hi both i loved the last podcast definitely questions i've been working through and with your help as well i like the discussion about our definition of love and our narratives i spend a lot of time in nature over lockdown and especially at the beginning it was such a good thing in a stressful time i would be at work just longing to get outside as i needed my fix there was one particular walk that had some woods at the top of a hill and as i entered the cool green almost silent wood i would feel a sudden lightness and a joy at being there I think of that as God's love in me. I find it easy to know and feel that I'm loved in the woods. When you love something or someone, it is easy to find joy. The challenge is to find the joy in the more rubbish bits of life. I remember doing soul training exercises and in particular play. So interesting to consciously do something fun just because it's fun. I think sometimes we feel guilty about doing things for ourselves if we have family or friends in need, but I'm sure that if you can take the time out for yourself, it is where you feel loved. After all, it's all about grace and not what work we do. In the tough times, it's harder to feel loved because it can be harder to tap into that inner space. In these times, I often feel God's love through others and I have to choose to recognise it too. Take a deep breath. Step outside the situation for a moment. I guess this is what I'm doing by going into nature. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. Love, Bob. Mm, makes perfect sense. Uh, Bob, it does make sense. Uh, mm. I think it's lovely. And, you, you know, you, you you think of those things. When people don't feel loved, I know often people say, oh, well, we're the arms and legs of Christ. We need to go and do it. But what about people who don't have anyone there around them, hugging them and doing all those things? And I think, you know, at those points, you've got to have a strategy and I was talking to Rachel about this, actually. Well, in fact, she was talking to someone else about it and then me. And she she made this very wise comment, I thought, which was, um, allow the woods to hug you, which I rather like, because Rachel is a big fan of woods, kind of like I am the sea. And she's had some quite profound experiences of God's love in nature yeah, and in solitude in nature. So this isn't just airy fairy claptrap we're talking about here. This is a this is a real thing. To actually, it can feel quite scary to go on your own, but actually, often people are 
connecting with something very joyful and very deep and very loving. Um, mm. So thank you for that, Bob. You articulated it well. Sorry, I moved away from the mic. You, you did that several <laughs> times. I know. Well, that answer you kept. I thought you were doing your aerobics or something. <laughs> Just stretching. <laughs> I think that's true. And the playfulness thing, I think, is really important. Yeah, that Play is good. Is, um, in fact, Claire was talking to me about this the other day. You know, if you've got a very strong duty gene, mm. you know, some people have. I don't have that. But <laughs> she has it. Yeah. You know, the idea of just doing something playful is is quite hard. But I think if you can combine it with something else, um, mm. so so a walk, you know, which has therapeutic benefits anyway and is mm. good for you, but can mm. still be very playful, or painting or something like that, where you can just muck about and have fun, yeah. but you feel like you're yeah. doing something. I think that's really good. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's you absolutely need play. We yeah. really do. Yeah. It's that, it's that hard lesson of self-care. And I think I suppose you realise this more and more as you go on is is vitally important. We've talked about it before. We keep yeah. coming back to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So next up, Helen. Helen just sent this quote in. Hi, Helen. By the way, thank you. She says, "I thought you might like this." Okay. This is a quote from the Right Reverend Steve Charleston, and I do like it, Helen. And it says this: "Even if I go as far as I can go, deep down into the watery caverns of memory, or way up to the limits of my imagination, still you are there." waiting to find me. You are everywhere at once, once and always, an endless presence around every cosmic corner, patient and enduring, trustworthy and infinitely good. You are now and forever, now the start and the finish, the laughter and the tears, the spirit of all creation, the loving spirit of all our dreams for as long as we have been dreaming. You were there, spirit of life, when I first breathed your air into my lungs, and you will be there when I hand that life back again. You're everywhere at once, once and always, my source and my goal, spirit of endless beauty, my home and my destination. So Helen was writing in after last week, and I think that was sort of in response again to how do we feel loved? And, yes, yes. And we were talking about okay. addressing our narratives of God and everything. Mm, mm. And and I, I just think this is true. I guess I don't live my life with an expectation of feeling loved all the time and yet more and more I feel like any time I need that reassurance I kind of know what to do hmm. it's it's that quietening down it's that you know this is why I'm looking forward to holiday um because I will ha I know I will have the opportunity whether I take it or not is another question but I know I'll have the opportunity to quieten myself right down to be in that still place hmm. and to realize hmm. oh this life, this spirit is all around me and in me. And all I need to do is... I'm basically arguing for a quiet time here, aren't I? Well, I was going to say, yes, you are. And again, what we tend to do with quiet time, you know, when people talk about, are you having oh, yeah. your quiet time? In the traditional sense, yeah. It's another sort of duty to be performed, mm. isn't it? Yeah, are exactly. You, are you reading the Bible, learning, blah, blah, blah? Are you, have yeah. you got a devotional notes? Now, I, ha I have books of devotional stuff that mm. I read as part of my practice and they're very helpful. Haven't you written some as well, to be fair? I have in the past, yes. Yeah. Um, well. I, I, I really, I should do a devotional, shouldn't I? Yes. We should do, we should do sort of carry on quiet time. Yes. That was what it was. Carry be, on you up know. your quiet time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> That is it. <laughs> yeah. Um, th <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, again, it's a task to do, whereas, in fact, if we saw it as more of this, diving down, you know, into the 
into the presence of God, just mm. being quiet, literally being quiet. Mm. And again, I know we have people writing in and saying, look, it's all very well for you, but you haven't got three children under five or something like yeah, that. Exactly. You know, and that's true. That is true. And it is difficult. But I think for a lot of us, it's possible. Yeah. If we could detach it from the need to achieve certain things or tick certain yeah. boxes or learn stuff, but yeah. just to, to be in God's presence, we would probably end up learning a great deal more, actually. But anyway. Yeah. By the way, I quite like that idea. Just saying. And we what, could carry we, we on could, up your quiet Yeah, time. we could do that for a, a week or, you know, <laughs> just just do one week, one week with Selwyn. Should we... And it'd be one week with Nick and Joe. No, it'd be one week with Sid James. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Every day was Sid James and Kenneth Williams. <laughs> and Jesus. <laughs> to our um, to our American listeners, you might not know who we're talking about, but no. it's very cheap humour from the 60s. Anyway. Oh. Yeah. Okay, good. So, uh, may I move on? Yes, you may. Well, oh, I've written okay. down that idea. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, brace yourself. We're, okay. we're, we're starting to enter into what I like to call the content phase of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which, better late than never. Which means I've got a tricky <laughs> bit of feedback. Okay, this is okay. from Steve. I wrote this in quite a while ago, I should say. We've just been mm-hmm. waiting for an episode. So... It says this, Dear Joe and Nick, I've been a loyal listener since episode one. I think you probably wrote this for episode two. <laughs> anyway, it says, <laughs> I'd really enjoy how you can both see aspects of faith from different perspectives and discuss, understand and value each other's points of view, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, that's not the reason for my email. I'm currently reading a rather disturbing book, Our Bodies, Their Battlefield by Christina Lamb. It wouldn't be my normal choice, but it was recommended in a book review. And having recently read the two novels, The Tattooist of Auschwitz and Silker's Journey, the subject matter struck a chord. Our Bodies, Their Battlefield explores the reality of the rape and torture of women and children during conflict. It's a tough read. About halfway through, the author touches on the point that rape as a weapon of war goes back many centuries and then quotes that this was even standard practice in the Old Testament, and he quotes Deuteronomy and numbers there, and endorsed by godly men, including Moses. A quick search brought up other potential references of such practices in the Old Testament. So I could partition this away and put it down to the context of the times, nicely packaged away, but somehow such horrific practices as this don't seem to sit comfortably by being swept under the carpet so easily. My question, therefore, is how and why would such practices seem to be condoned by key characters and writers in the Bible? Did they think this was part of God's plan? And how do we reconcile this with our wider reading of the Bible and particularly a God of love? I guess I could have asked this question of numerous folks, but I somehow think that you two would have something wise and sensitive to share on this big mistake. I also fully understand if you would rather not discuss such a sensitive topic on the podcast. God bless, Steve. Well, uh, we have we have sort of discussed some of this in the past when we were doing yeah. a series on the Badly Behaved Bible, and I will put links to that series in the show notes. If um, But, uh, yeah. Steve, you might already have listened to that and not found that that was quite what you wanted and of course we need to discuss it um yeah we do i I, so joe if you'd just like to solve that one for us well i'd refer you to page 78 of the badly behaved bible written by nick page yeah the esteemed author nick page um actually there's tons of bits i could refer to but i just went to that particular bit because you made the groundbreaking claim that the bible (laughs) was created by human beings Mm, mm. um obvious but worth repeating mm. um because we it, 
to, to fall back in love with the Bible, which I think is the project for us all post mid-faith crisis, we've got to dump the idea that God sat dictating it mm. to people. Mm. This was people's understanding. This was their sense, just like you and I get a sense of what we feel the divine could be saying to us at any given time. Um, they were writing down how they were seeing things, how they how they were interpreting their history. You know, when when they were when they were over overthrown by neighboring nations, they saw that as God's judgment. That's really how they saw it for being errant. And when they were succeeding and glorious and victorious, they saw that as God's blessing on them for, for being so good and godly and mm. wise and living so well. Um, and equally, you, you know, what we're reading in those Old Testament passages is people's interpretation of the times. They're seeing things and they are sort of saying, well, this is this is what God approves of and this is what God doesn't do. And, you know, mm. God's blessed us with this and. God tells us to take that and God tells us to, you know, force out our enemies and all that stuff. And and there's wisdom to be gleaned from that stuff because the prophets come and critique it more often than not. And they're saying things that are often at odds with mm, that. Mm, mm. But that's my two tuppenny worth. But I feel like you have so much good stuff to say on this. So, Well, I think um, people always see, people always make containers for God. Basically, in 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 life, and they make those containers in various shapes. They make them in the shape of liturgy, or they make them in the shape of buildings like churches or temples, or they make them in the shape of stories, which tell them something about God and which God mm. um, is reflected in. And they take those stories from the world around them, and sometimes they mm. make them in the shape of rules that they think you've got mm. to obey if you're going to be holy. And I think God, in His uh, mercy sort of inhabits that understanding i don't think that means he approves necessarily of temples mm. or or even bits of services because there's a plenty of times in the bible mm. where prophets speak against that and you certainly don't think it means that he approves of practices like that i think you, you so certainly there's a contextual mm. thing uh, because um you cannot actually expect people of a certain generation certain time to have our views of human beings mm. you, ca yeah. you can't and no. so they are going to reflect that and and they are reprehensible i don't think that's that means we have to sort of wipe out the moral aspect of it i think it's just that actually the, the plain sad fact is that for most of history and i'm not sure and many women would say it's 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 much different now women have been viewed as as goods mm. possessions uh second class citizens if that mm. um and yeah. so most of the Bible writing sits within that framework. Mm. Most of it is in a context where women have very little status. Mm. And so that is just reflected in, in that, that story. Now, the question I think we, we can't, in a sense, solve that. I can't solve that, no. that story. I think the question I have to look at is what on earth am I to do with those, those things now? Yeah. As a, as a passage in the Bible. Am mm. I to ignore them? That's one uh response yeah. we could do that yeah because we know that the law was not you know it was not for for christians necessarily it's been superseded so there's an argument so that all that old testament law and all that kind of stuff is, is superseded yeah. can i view it purely as history which has then been um given a kind of spiritual slant Gloss, yeah i can do yeah. that 
I can say that mm. people, like as you just said, people did it and then they sought to justify it because that was how you yeah. operated. Um, yeah. I can do that. I still think that doesn't solve the problem of it's in the Bible, what do I do with it now? Mm. You know. Exactly. Um, and so for me, I think the issue is um, how can I respond to it? What is God saying to me through this thing? Mm. And it, this is not a new question either. For the church yeah. fathers, they looked at the, the brutality as they saw it or the, the mm. crudeness of the Old Testament. It really worried them because they were all sophisticated mm. Greeks. So their choice was to view everything allegorical mm. in that, or symbolical in that thing. So they, they, they just saw the whole like Genesis and those kind of yeah. having symbolic meanings, deeper meanings. These are stories which have deeper meanings. So they, it's, this is not a new approach in that sense. Mm. So I think the way is to respond to it now and say, okay, what do I think God is saying to me through this story? And one of the things he may, he, he, he may be saying is, you find this so repugnant, what are you doing about it? Mm. You know, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, how, are sure. you gonna, how are you going to support organisations that are fighting against this sort of stuff? Um, Open Doors, who I work with, are running a campaign about the double vulnerability of women in persecution because women are persecuted not only for their faith but because they're women as well and so they mm. it's very real for us this kind of thing mm. so we can i view it as an, an impetus to actually do something about it what is god saying to me through this if he mm. is saying look you find this so horrific you need to do something about it then that is a perfectly valid response to that story yeah. and it doesn't explain why it was no. thought good at the time it doesn't solve all the difficulties but it at least gives me something that i can do as a kind of spirit-led response yeah to that problem that's well i think that's quite a creative approach and it's not one i'd thought of really because I mean, I, I didn't know whether you were going to go on about the whole progressive revelation thing, and you know, like the idea that things get better, and you know, we're starting with the consciousness that humans had yeah. three thousand years ago, and with their limited understanding. And anyway, that's perfectly true as well, but never mm. solves for me the issue of well, it's in the you know, yeah, it's do, in I, the do, do I just jettison no. it then if I've moved on? And I don't really want yeah. to do that. No, sure. Well, it's important to get this right because these are the exactly the verses that are held up by eminent humanists and atheists to say and yes. this is why the notion of god is a ridiculous idea because look how violent people get when they believe in god and then they, they would show those things so i think we do kind of need a bit of a response to it and the I other mean, thing is to look look for the victims this is often what happens mm. in um in feminist uh, uh biblical criticism um, mm. and it's worth actually i could encourage you to sort of look into some of that because otherwise you're just what, what's happening is here is just yeah. getting you know, some bloke mansplaining the bible at you. yeah but yeah. but you know to look yeah. at it from to, to read feminist um critiques of it because one of the things that they encourage is that those um uh, exegetes encourages is, is to look at the victims look at it from the victim's point of view mm. and try and show compassion with the victims because you can still you can you can yeah. reach out to them as it were within the text yeah um and if you experience their terror their oppression then yeah. i still think that's why god is speaking to you through the bible today brilliant i like that thank you hmm. 
There we are. Well, you know, there we are. You know, every now and then, Nick has good things to say. Well, listen, um, sort of in sort of contrast to the idea of progressive revelation, I've got a New Testament one here. Oh, yeah. From okay, me now. Yeah. So it this is from, that progressive. Yeah, this is uh, from Michaela, who sent quite a few. It's a stinker. Uh, he says, hi, Joe and Nick. I've had to cut it down a bit. This morning I was listening to Lectio 365, a daily prayer and devotional app from 24-7 Prayer. This morning's devotional talked about Ananias and Sapphira, which is well known as a very tricky part of the Bible. This is, of course, the story of the married couple who sold their land and pretended to give all of the proceeds of the sale to the, the early church, but in fact kept some back for themselves. The issue wasn't about not wanting to give all of the money to the apostles, but the deception to the church and lying to the Holy Spirit. Up until this point, the book of Acts is all very exciting, but this is a pretty low point, to say the least. The mm. devotional invites us to think about how you feel about this story, and the words in the app reflect as follows... When God's holiness comes close, there are great blessings, but there can also be serious consequences. The stakes are raised. In years past, I think that I used to explain a lot of what happened in the Old Testament as part of the Old Covenant. Whilst this is difficult to understand, I could park some of the challenging verses. But this story is in the New Testament and therefore part of the New Covenant, so I wasn't expecting smiting. I, I, like many, will have heard this story so many times in the past, but today when I heard it for the first time in a while, I reached for the Bible book, A User's Guide, by the prolific Nick Page, <laughs> oh, to try dear. and make sense of the story. Nick does identify this as a tricky bit. <laughs> and then she quotes you, which I won't bother doing because you can quote yourself. He says, none of this is very satisfactory to me. It doesn't seem to reflect yes. the grace of God. It's the sort of Bible story that you hope those who don't know Jesus won't notice. And certainly not an easy subject if you have teenage children, as I do, who already think that a lot of what the church seems to teach isn't all that friendly. Thanks as ever to you both for the podcast. My husband Nick too and I have listened to every episode and we so appreciated your honesty, wisdom, humour, blah, blah, blah. Great. Thank you. Well, well thank, you for not thank you for not reading that out because one of the things that uh, I saw in the email, one of the things that happens as an author is you write stuff and it's there and it's still in print and you ch and changed your mind. <laughs> so I don't think I would necessarily write what I wrote then. Although I don't think it's too no, far yeah, out, yeah, but, what you said was all right. Yeah, yeah it was all right. But I think that, that I was trying desperately to get a kind of a point out of it. But... I think, again, it's an interesting one, this, and she's exactly right, because it's in the New Testament, so we yeah. can't exactly say, right, well, this was yeah. you, ancient you, times. You, you hope this whole sort of thing had finished long ago, and now there's yeah. this whole new party of grace and forgiveness and joy and love and coming yes. into the church and everything. What? You held something back? Zap! Yes. So it's a strange little story. I, I suspect it has a root in uh, a real historical event in the early church of uh, you know this this happening um, but yeah. i'm not sure in whether in all the details it's mm. whether luke is sort of turning it into perhaps more of a some mm. kind of moral story because it's essentially yeah. about ke keeping to your word before the yeah. community and doing what you were going to do and and it, it's 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 a it's what's called a sort of punishment miracle in some terms, in other words, you know, they, they didn't do this and miraculously they were zapped. Mm. But Peter, frankly, doesn't come out very well in, in it no. because of the interrogation methods that are used. You'll need to read it yourselves mm. in Acts 5. Um, and I don't know really what to make of this one, if I'm honest. I, I think it's... Um, I, what would you say about it? Well, do you know, um, I was hoping you'd deal with this. <laughs> I, think, okay. I think this is how people saw it. I think, I think there was a couple... I think there was a genuine couple 
Ananias and Sapphira, and I think both of them drop dead. I I think I wouldn't want to dispute those facts. Uh, what I think I hold issue with is the interpretation. As is so mm, often the mm. case, like I said about the Old Testament, you're seeing a glorious victory and you're thanking God for a glorious victory. Look how we dashed all the children's heads on the rocks. Look how we enjoyed spearing and killing all the men and taking the women for ourselves. Praise God for a lovely victory. And <laughs> I, I, think, I think a similar thing is going on here. And I think, you know, Luke had had a long day at the office. He was writing <laughs> the Acts of the Apostles. He's he needed this, a holiday he, in Oswestry. And also he he, he recognised that Acts was getting a bit exciting and jolly. He needed a story here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he obviously needed No, they get this story. It is about the foundations of the church. And I'm sure they're wanting to make a point about honesty and integrity and all the things. And they are choosing to interpret the death of this couple in these terms. Yes. Now, you may think that's an entirely unsatisfactory approach. Do write in if you do. But that's what I think happened. I think they did. I think they did go to the church. I think they did die. And I think, naturally enough, as we do, we interpret that as, whoa, hold on a minute. Yeah. But the truth is, people deceive the church all the time, far worse than Ananias and Sapphira did. And they don't get zapped. Yes. And yeah. they don't. So, clearly... That can't so be the whole story. It's kind of a warning, isn't it? I think um, I think there's two things I would say here. One is yes, that's uh, that's a good that's a good thought, and it Thanks. you know don't forget that the church is collecting stories all the time. Yeah. It's collecting myths to teach people, and and uh, root, mm. by myth I mean sort of foundational stories, not necessarily yeah. untrue stories. No. Um, it's it's forming that. Um, so these story gets told and, and saved throughout the, the the Christian church as one of its sort of core events, and so that's why Luke records it. And uh, and one of the things they may have been trying to do through that story was explain why people were dying before Jesus came back, mm. which is a big concern for the early oh, churches yeah. in One Thessalonians. They didn't know why it was happening, uh, and so it was, maybe that the people died, yeah. and then thought they're trying to explain it in other ways. Oh, look, this is why mm. they died because they held this this mm. money back. I think the other thing I'd like to say is that the the the, the, the apostles weren't always right. Oh, you know, just because heretic. the history is recorded doesn't mean that what um, happened there. I mean, it certainly appears as though Luke is approving of it, and and he probably was, but it doesn't mean we have to necessarily. I don't think. Mm. I don't think. I don't think um, that we have to assume that that they were always acting correctly. They were doing uh, what they thought best at the time because they were making mm. it up as they went along. You know, mm. because then nobody yeah, they had were. written the Bible. Then no. nobody had come up with the with with all the detailed theology. They they were in the very no, early exactly. days. And um, if I may make an important link there, no one has lived your life before either. You are making it up as you go. I yes. mean, that's that's the whole point. And maybe <laughs> the Bible is modelling something that we need to embrace here. You know, yeah. with its with its wrong assumptions occasionally about the activity of God in life. And, you know, you've got history and you've got interpretation of history and you've got deep mystical truths buried in there. Mm. I'm thinking mm. the book of Ecclesiastes, for example, all that sort of other things. So, you know, this this volume of books is a right old mix of stuff. And it, mm. it does take a certain amount of pondering and discernment. Yeah, and I think um, so. So they didn't know, you know, they're they're trying to form a community. They're trying to do what's right, mm. and they're, they're uh, and obviously they're also making links with the Old Testament in terms of the, the way that the stories talk of the Ark of the Covenant being, you know, almost like this mm. dangerous substance inside. Holiness is mm. like that. 
So there's all those strands going on. Once again, I think maybe the answer is just to sort of take a look at it and go, okay, is God saying anything to me through this? Mm. It's there. I can't do anything about it. I can't take it out. I don't know what to deal mm. with it. I don't know how to explain it away. Is God saying anything to me uh, uh, through this? Am mm. I dying a bit because I'm holding back something that I shouldn't hold back? Am I mm. you know, yeah, exactly. in danger of this? Am I, I'm not going to get smited. You know, that's not mm. going to happen. But, you know, who am I again in this story? Or maybe am I the judgmental one who's prepared to sort of metaphorically smite people who we don't yeah. think is living up to yeah to stuff there's lots of ways that we can in, imaginatively yes. inhabit this story brilliant I think. brilliant so you know um i don't think theologically it makes any sense whatsoever i don't think in terms of the way god works it makes any sense to me whatsoever but maybe i could just look at it as a story and see mm. what whether it makes sense then you know yes. we're dealing with mystery and i think actually some of these things horrible though they are there's a mystery there that we we don't we shouldn't duck away from and we shouldn't be scared of and we shouldn't be at the end of the day be afraid of going well I, I don't know it's the theology mm. of I don't know I don't know mm. about this yeah but no, I'm great. not gonna ignore it I'm gonna embrace it and see what happens but you're you're gonna find a way to use it that's the yeah, point isn't yeah, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's great that's great I really like anyway. that anyway I do like that thank you and you know listeners what do you think of that hey. Write into Joe at midfaithcrisis.org, but don't expect a reply anytime soon because I'm not here. But we would love to hear from you. And thank you um, to Michaela and Steve for, for mm. writing those, you know, tricky emails in. Are we going to wrap up? But yes. uh, we want to say thank you. We are going to take a short break uh, for a little while. We will be back leaner, meaner than ever. Well, in my case, probably a bit fatter than ever. But, you know, no, I will get lean again. Do yourself down. You'll oh, be thank lean you. and mean. Thank you. Yes, I will be me. Fighting machine. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But what I thought I'd finish with is one of my desert island books, actually, Benedictus uh, by John O'Donoghue. You've got to love that book. If you haven't come across John O'Donoghue, poet, writer, just beautiful. And Benedictus is basically a book of blessings. And it's wonderful. And I thought I'd finish uh, by reading The Blessing for Solitude actually okay so so we will be back in what about three weeks yeah i think so we're mm. gonna take a break and uh yes thank you very much for listening and we do hope you'll join us again uh when we come back but uh joe why don't you end yeah with this i will thank you okay a blessing for solitude may you recognize in your life the presence power and light of your soul May you realise that you are never alone, that your soul in its brightness and belonging connects you intimately with the rhythm of the universe. May you have respect for your individuality and difference. May you realise that the shape of your soul is unique, that you have a special destiny here, that behind the facade of your life there is something beautiful and eternal happening. May you learn to see yourself with the same delight, pride and expectation with which God sees you in every moment. <laughs>